What's up, fellow passengers? Glad to have you with us for this episode of Rear View Movies, and we have spared no expense on this project just to make sure that everything is good for you. I got my man Trevor right here with me in the cockpit. We're getting ready to fly over the wonderful and torturous, if not mysterious, island that is the Jurassic Park franchise, right? Yeah, unfortunately, that's what we're doing this week. Um, two, well, I should say one really good movie, a second decent movie, and then this one. And then this one. Yep. Good, good review Eight years there. after the original one comes out and they give us this. So eight years, the third one was eight years after. So how long did it take for them to release the sequel? The second one was uh, four years. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was 93, 97, and then 2001. And oh, how different the two films are if you compare this one to the original. <sighs> Especially considering some interesting details. But uh, Trevor, tell us the tale of the tape on Jurassic Park 3. All right, well, Jurassic Park 3 opened nationwide on Wednesday, July 18th, 2001. It was directed by Joe Johnston, taking over the director's chair from Steven Spielberg, who remained on board as a producer for this movie. It stars... In case you forgot, Sam Neill, William H. Macy, Tay Leone, Alessandro Nivola, Trevor Morgan, Michael Jeter, John Deal, Bruce A. Young, and Laura Dern. For those of you that don't remember, and this is your 120-year spoiler alert, but let's be honest, you have had 20 years to see it. Those decades, yes. A decidedly odd couple with ulterior motives convinces Dr. Grant to go to Isla Sorna for a holiday but their unexpected landing startles the island's new inhabitants. What a delightful summary of the film, Trevor. Yeah, that is, um, that, that's a big no. I don't, again, I pulled that off of IMDb and that's not really exactly what's going on there. Yeah, a lot, lot more to, a lot more loaded into pretty much all of those sentences, Well, the, right? the island's new inhabitants, they're the new inhabitants. They're the ones that crash landed on there because we learned from the second one that this was kind of like site B, if I remember right. So this mm-hmm. is where they bred them and, and kept them. And when they were old enough, then they brought them over to the main park. So they're not Which new is interesting, yeah. <laughs> and, and that was set up in the sequel, wasn't it? The Site B concept? Yeah, so that was in the... Because being a nerd about these movies, I know that the first one took place at Isla Nublar, if you will. Yep. And then they brought in the Isla Sorna concept in the second one, which was where they all went for that and got the T-Rex and brought him back to San Diego for, you know, because it would have been fun to film, even though it was terrible. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, speaking of some director notes on this uh, about Joe Johnston directing, uh, doing some digging, I found some interesting details. So apparently Joe Johnston had originally wanted to direct the sequel. He wanted to direct The Lost World, but Spielberg decided to return. And let's be honest, if Michael Jordan wants to play, B.J. Armstrong doesn't come off the bench. Mm-hmm. And... Spielberg actually, as a favor, then decided to pass the director's job to Johnston for this film when he passed on the third film to direct AI. AI, yeah. yeah. Circling back to a previous Rearview Movies episode. The other two who wanted to direct this film were Stephen Summers and Jan Jean DeBont, I think is how you say his Jan. name. Jan. Sorry, Jan DeBont, mm-hmm. uh, famously the director from Twister and Speed. And circling it back even further, Stephen Summers was a director for the Mummy films. Yep. Now, what was interesting is I was just about to say that Spielberg probably took one look at the script and said, nope, here you go, Joe. But what was very interesting to me is who wrote this movie? There are two writers who have credited in the screenplay for this, and that is Jim Taylor and Alexander Payne. 
Okay. Two people who I don't necessarily know right offhand. Is there something else we would know and, them for? And a, a lot of people may not know them right off the hand, but um, they are coming off of writing and directing a movie two years earlier called Election. Oh, yes. Hilarious. And three years from now, they would go on to write and, well, at least for um, Alexander Payne's resume, he would direct uh, Sideways with um, Paul Giamatti. Yes. And that would go on to win an Oscar for best screenplay. So, so future Oscar winners I'm, at the at the at the pin then. Yeah. So I'm wondering what happened to them between Election and Sideways that they had to do this <laughs> because this does not have any of their signature on it at all. I think the one thing that you could say is at least halfway near what they were doing is the fact that it was a road trip movie. And they kind of do road trip stuff. I mean, Election's not really road trip, but uh, a lot of their other stuff is, like Sideways in Nebraska, looking further ahead. That's an interesting way to put it, because it is kind of a road trip movie. In fact, at parts of the movie, I was wondering if I was just watching a survival movie with dinosaurs. It just blows my mind that these two guys' names are attached to this. I just, I don't (laughs) get that. I don't get it at all. Well, taking a wild, total stab in the dark guess... One mm-hmm. of the, the notes I was reading as I was doing some research for the film is that there were actually several scenes from this movie that had been planned to be in the original Jurassic Park film. And it could have been one of those where it's like, okay, write the script, but we also need this and we also need that. So maybe it was one where they had a lot of different conditions on them that maybe constrained some of their, uh, some of their creativity. Well, and they're, you know, they shared the writing credit with another writer, um, Peter Buckman, mm-hmm. and a little, a little industry inside for you here uh the way to tell who actually wrote the script is that um is uh in terms of the word and when it's in the credits or if you're seeing the ampersand symbol in the credits Mm -hmm. so this one is written by peter buckman and the word and alexander payne ampersand jim taylor Mm -hmm. so why why do we have the two different versions of that well the ampersand shows you that the two writers worked on the movie together and the word and means that it was a separate uh, contribution. Got it. So if you ever see a movie with one writer and then the word and in between a second writer, that means that they did not work on the movie together. They worked on it separately. Mm-hmm. If you see the ampersand in there, that means that they worked on it together and that's how they got the credit. Oh, so this was probably tip. two different scripts that either Buckman wrote on his own and then Payne and Taylor took over or the other way around. Mm-hmm. Probably the other way around because Buckman's name is on top. Okay. So busting back 20 years ago in the rearview mirror, uh, you know, 20 years ago, Trevor, I assume as this was not a direct Spielberg project, but was still a (laughs) franchise with Spielberg's name on it. uh, It opened on a Wednesday. Did you see it on Wednesday? I don't think I saw it on a Wednesday. I saw it for sure in the theaters. I don't think it was in the Wednesday though. And uh, I, oh man, I I was bored watching it. I... (laughs) I think that's kind of a, a, we're kind of seeing a trend here on that because it seems like if I don't like a movie, it bores me. (laughs) That that is the unforgivable sin for when Trevor watches a movie is it bores him. I'm bored. This movie's terrible. Yeah, that's kind of how this one was. It was not, uh, and it's only 90 minutes and it felt like an eternity. It's by far the shortest movie in the franchise, even including the the two that came after this, many years after this. Yeah, it's just, it's so tedious and there's really nothing to me at the time when I saw it, found nothing enjoyable about it. Mm -hmm. And when did you see Jurassic Park 3 for the first time? Uh, I saw Jurassic Park 3 for the first time. It was another one I probably caught on cable. Speaking of patterns for me and my personal viewing habits, if I watch a movie and I like it, and then the sequel is not anything good or it's boring, 
I'm done. I, I, I don't watch the franchise after that. When we talked about Fast and the Furious, that's why I said that I didn't watch any movie after that original. And the same with the Transformers movies and, and lots of others. So because the sequel was really nothing like the original, didn't have, again, the sequel had uh, Jeff Goldblum, right? Pretty much he was, mm-hmm. Goldblum and John Hammond were pretty much the only two from the original that returned for the sequel, weren't they? Well, and John Hammond was reduced to basically a cameo at that point. Right. The, the movie kind of, they were like, well, what if Malcolm was the center of the story? Yeah. And it, it didn't it didn't work for me, so I really wasn't interested at all in the third one. And I remember not being another one of those, the unforgivable sin for a movie that Scotty watches is I don't finish it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, can, I can deal with being bored up for some parts, right? That's how you watch Breaking Bad and all those breakfast scenes. And, you know, when I first saw The Lost World, it was one of those that really didn't do it for me either. I think I just had such high expectations from the first one mm. being so, well, for me, life-changing, really. Well, was quite, um, yeah, right, absolutely. I'm assuming that's the quintessential, like, Spielberg movie for you? Uh, Maybe in 1993 it was, but mm. yeah, not anymore. Not to me, at least. Right. The quintessential Spielberg movie for me is got to be Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay. That, to me, is... Almost a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. <laughs> I had really high expectations for it, and they didn't meet. But then going back years later and watching it again, I was kind of like, maybe I was a little hard on this one. Because it was enjoyable, at least up to the point when they got to San Diego and the T-Rex terrorized the city. That was kind of <laughs> ridiculous. Literally jumping the shark, right? Yeah, literally. I, I think that was kind of one of those things where they must have all been like out at a bar drinking. And somebody goes, hey, Steve! What if we had T-Rex in San Diego? And Stephen was probably like, I like it. Well, write it. If, if that's the case, then it very much feels like then that this third movie, you can at least definitely sense that they tried to return to the vibe from the first movie, right? Yeah, I think so. And that was sort of what I was hoping to get out of this watching the rear view was maybe I'd have that same sort of opinion. Sure. About the lost world or about this one as I did with the lost world. Mm hmm. Like, maybe I was a little too harsh on it when I first saw it. Maybe the fact that it is so short and wraps it up really nice and neat that there is some stuff in here that we can really uh, acknowledge as being well done. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that was the case. (laughs) Well, and and to draw, you know, I like to draw comparisons sometimes. It actually reminded me of the way that the Hangover franchise unfolded. Because the first Hangover movie was really entertaining, really funny. And the second one, they just went way off the reservation with a story that you know, did not at all work with the original and anything like well, that. Was the, it was the same story. Right. It was the same script pretty but it, much. It didn't it's, work. Like I no. remember it not working. And then I remember on the third one, they tried to, whatever they tried to do, they tried to make the third one more like the first one uh, somehow. And, and it wound up again, that, it worked a little better than the second one. I thought the hangover three was better than the second hangover, but again, not, not by much. They both did what most movies do in that regard and fall far short of the first movie. Well, I think you said it best when you talked about during the Fast and the Furious franchise was they become caricatures of themselves. Yes. And I think that's what this is. It's definitely a caricature of the previous movies. Yes, caricature would be a good way to say it. Uh, So to jump on some of the other details, some of the financial details about Jurassic Park 3. So the movie opens on a Wednesday just to qualify some of these numbers. The budget for Jurassic Park 3 came in at $93 million. And the movie opened on a Wednesday... As a qualifier, because over the five-day weekend, it brings in $81.3 million. That's over, a, again, a five-day stretch, not a typical weekend. Domestically brings in $181 million, 
International for a worldwide gross of $368.7 million. So by the financial terms, definitely a success. But speaking of that, Rotten Tomatoes didn't like this and the audience liked it even less. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 49 and the audience gave it a 36. The summary from Rotten Tomatoes, Jurassic 3 is darker and faster than its predecessors, but that doesn't quite compensate for the franchise's continuing creative decline. Your thoughts on that statement? It's correct. I think that that is kind of a, um, that's more in line with viewing it today. I think in 2001, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess the franchise was continuing to decline, but there was nothing planned after this. This was it. It was Jurassic Park 3. No one ever thought of Jurassic Park 4. Right. After this came out. That was never a thought, which is weird because it pulls in almost $400 million dollars. And there was never any talk of a sequel after that. Well, because realistically, the question about the Jurassic Park franchise is how many stories can you tell with dinosaurs? Well, the thing that I thought was always interesting was I said, well, and even in 2001, I said it was like, why do we always have to have this as like a failing thing? Where's Mm -hmm. the park? Why don't we open the park and see what happens? Why don't we say, forget all this happened, just bury it and just open the park and see what happens. And that's what we got with Jurassic World. Yes, and there was some kind they kind of threw it back a little bit like the guy was wearing a Jurassic Park shirt. Yeah, and, and you saw and the, the girl old was Jeep like that. factored in the old headsets. Yeah, she's got the dress or he's got the Jurassic Park shirt on and his his friend is like, "Hey, that's really in bad taste. Why did you do that?" He's like, "I got it on eBay." Yeah. And it's kind of funny that they sort of tie the two worlds together like that, but you know, what we end up with in Jurassic World is just a complete abomination really i mean there's nothing good about that one if there's if this was the low point of the franchise jurassic world takes it down a whole nother level at that point (laughs) i didn't even see fallen kingdom i probably will before the next one comes out but i didn't even i didn't even go see that one in the theaters and i still haven't seen it now obviously there were were a little ways from jurassic world being in the rear view but uh i kind of felt the same way about it it was it was an interesting kind of one noter on the franchise And again, so long after the original movie, it was interesting. But again, how many compelling stories can you tell with dinosaurs? None. After this, After after the story of not being eaten by dinosaurs, just barely, every other story is about not being eaten by a dinosaur, just barely. But this time, there's a missing boy. So anyway. (gasps) Oh, no. We had a missing girl in the last one. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, it was a a missing girl. Um, But yeah, 49 critics, 36 audience. Audience liked it even less than the critics did. And despite what was a very successful financial run for the film, as you said, didn't put much in much of a good taste in people's mouths about continuing with that franchise. So I guess we should jump right in and get right to the beginning where they're, uh, I believe they're parasailing (laughs) over the island, correct? Yeah, they're parasailing. And I guess the idea is that you rent this company to go parasailing around the island in the hopes to see some dinosaurs. But the very beginning of Jurassic Park opens with a little graphic at the bottom of the screen as they're wheeling in the raptor into the pen. Yeah. That says that the island is 120 miles off the coast of Costa Rica. How the heck did they get a pontoon boat 120 miles off the coast of Costa Rica? <laughs> they have a lot That's of gas, a lot of gas down there. I guess there's a, a, a speedboat out there, and then they have the the worst green screen I've ever seen. Yes, that I, as I definitely took note of that, especially <laughs> as they floated off the boat and started reeling away toward the island. Yeah, yeah, quite quite difficult. They could have they I could mean, have spent another five or six million on the on the green screen. I guess I can key out a better scene on my bedroom wall than that. <laughs> I mean, that's just. Uh, but I guess there, I guess this is, um, our main character, the, the, the young kid and, um, 
I guess mm. it's his uncle. I guess we find out later. Uh, what and, the, the uh, guy? The, the guy that was that was on that was no. The guy with him was the uh, yeah was the, on the, the stepdad. Per- I guess. Oh, the stepdad. That is that right? Yeah, yeah he's okay. the he's the stepdad. He's the because remember the William H Macy and Taylor Leon are divorced, and that's the other husband. Don't worry, he yeah. doesn't last much longer than that anyway. He's in the movie. He's in the movie to steer the kid into the jungle and then be a jump scare. But yeah, they get detached because some mysterious dinosaurs in the mist eat the eat the boat but don't go after the delicious morsels hanging from the parasail far easier to get to yeah so they're lost and they go on the island and that's kind of our that's kind of our introduction to the movie and then we go and we finally see we see alan again alan grant who we haven't seen since the first movie and he's all talking about how um how dinosaurs are bad now you know, mm-hmm. because he was actually face to face with them once. Well, it's what's kind of funny is the opening scene with him is the one where he's talking to um, he's talking to uh, Ellie's Ellie's son, right? Talking to Ellie's son about well, really they wouldn't eat each other because they're herbivores, and he's kind of demonstrating that continued aloofness around children even after being around them mm-hmm. so much in the first movie. Well, and then they kind of play it like Ellie walks in, you're like, yay, they got married, and then her husband walks in, and you go, oh Aww. no. Bum, 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 bum. So yeah. At least it wasn't Jeff Goldblum walking in. So that <laughs> been. Um, but yeah, uh, you're right. So he he's talking to her and and the kid first, and then he's talk doing his little seminar, mm-hmm. and um, like everybody shows up to see him, but nobody's really impressed that they're listening to him. The guy came face to face with dinosaurs, and they're all just kind of sitting there like, why'd we show up to this? <laughs> I guess and, it goes to show but, you that no matter what kind of experiences you go through, a boar is probably still going to be a boar because he was a boar. <laughs> then he makes the audacious claim that uh, had there not been an asteroid, that raptors would have ruled the world. And it totally washes over like nobody like really pays much mind to that. But hey, maybe he's not wrong. One of the things that I did think was funny as I was looking through some of the trivia and some of the side stories and research about this movie how many legitimate dinosaur nerds like really use this movie as a rallying point, I guess, and have actually, because in fact, I read somewhere that the raptors in this movie look different because our knowledge about raptors actually evolved to where it kind of fits Sam Neill's whole theory about them evolving from birds. But uh, anyway, yeah, my favorite line in that scene, how he ends it is, there's no force on heaven or earth that's going to put me back on that island. And you're like, except money. Except money. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But then we meet. Um, then we go to his archaeological dig site. We meet his um, his coworker, his colleague Billy, who's played by Alessandro Nivola. Mm-hmm. And Billy has essentially three D printed a raptor resonating chamber. How about that? A three D printer twenty years before, because three yeah. D printers are huge. Like people make guns with them, and bicycles, yeah. and cars, and houses. But twenty years ago, they used them to make a a windpipe for a raptor. Yeah, and nobody like would have even had a name for that by that by that time. It was like this foreign technology that you're watching it twenty years ago, and you're like, "That'll never happen." Yeah, you can't yeah. just make something that doesn't exist. You can't just three D print something out of thin air. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what, you can. What, yeah, one of those dated references. Which, by the way, you're like, "Huh, that's interesting," and they kind of write it off as an interesting thing until far later in the movie when it becomes kind of a, a, a MacGuffin, shall we say? Um, yeah. Well, and then there's the um, there's another line that happened a little bit earlier too, where so you see this raptor chamber, and you're like, that's gonna come and impo- that's gonna be important later. Mm-hmm. And then uh, right as uh, earlier, right as Alan is leaving Ellie, she says, "Call me anytime." It's like I bet he will when yeah. he really needs you. <laughs> if you need me, call. Yeah. From here we meet 
William H. Macy and Tay Leone, the most annoying couple in the history of cinema. <laughs> I will drop in just kind of a funny note. I, I do love William H. Macy. His I've always enjoyed seeing him in movies. I can't even think of a movie I haven't enjoyed him in. But my favorite line is somebody asked him why he accepted this role. His answer was because I'm 50 years old and I get to fight a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> But no, again, William H. Macy is very good as an annoying millionaire in this movie. Uh, well, sort yeah. of millionaire. Fake, yeah. Well, and that was, I'd forgotten kind of about that. So as they take him out to eat, as they're trying to give him this offer. Yeah. And they're trying to establish how rich they are. And they're like, we have the seats for the first commercial trip to the moon. And I'm like, wow, that's just something that you just throw around like crazy if you're rich, right? Well, like how rich are you? I remember oh, well, I, I'm going to the moon one day. I'm going to the moon one day. Well, the other thing that was funny was I remember they were sitting there. They were talking about it. William H. Macy was like, yeah, you can come and have dinner and we'll talk about it over dinner. Our treat. Then I'm like, OK, great. Millionaires going to take him to a fancy restaurant. And they're in a biker bar. Yeah, <laughs> that should have been our first tip off that things are not as they seem. Yeah, they, they bribe him with money. Essentially, they're just like, just name a number and we'll yep. write it down. Money is quite the force in heaven and earth, clearly. Yep, <laughs> really. And I, I wonder what number he gave them. Like, you know, <laughs> they never reveal what it is. Uh, well, again, of course, they it's, reveal it's later not, the check's bogus. Yeah, it's still. not real money anyway, right? Um, I mean, hey, if, it, if, if it's that amount of money and the guy says he's a millionaire, at the end of the day, from a negotiation standpoint, Dr. Grant could have said whatever he wanted. Yeah. Uh, half a billion, please. Okay, sure. Okay. Da, 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 da. Do they cash this at your bank? Yeah. So uh, so then we're on a plane headed out to Isla Sonar. I guess they, they told him that they wanted to fly over the island in as an anniversary present was sort of the pretext that they used to get him out there. And, and to be and fair, grand- a flyover is relatively low investment. So I guess there's not a time. I mean, we're kind of making fun of Alan Grant for saying no force on heaven and earth and then takes a lot of money to basically fly over the island. It is a flyover that he didn't know he was actually going to get on the island. Yeah, but I would think that there's, you know, the fact that you could crash might just be kind of one of those things that's in the back of your mind. Like maybe this will happen and I don't want to be there if it does. <laughs> sure. But, yeah, but he ends up taking it, and um, I guess he has some he has some uh, foreshadowing as to what's about to happen because he dozes off for a dream, and in his dream he sees a raptor sitting next to him, and the raptor's like, Alan! Alan. And, you know, that scene, if I remember, if I've seen, you know, kind of as we watch all of us watching these movie shows and movie things on, on different uh, series, that scene becomes the proverbial butt of the joke for what the Jurassic Park franchise became. Mm-hmm. Like that scene becomes part of the joke. Uh, in fact, you know, several YouTube series use that scene to say, this is how bad Jurassic Park got. Alan's talking to a raptor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guess that is a little out of context too, because it is sort of, he is sort of dreaming it and he looks around and there's, everyone's on the plane's been eaten and he looks over and the raptor says, oh, and then he snaps out of his dream and it's, it's Billy sitting there going, hey, Alan, wake up. That is kind of a misnomer from the way that the scene normally gets portrayed in theaters, so or, yeah. or the way the movie gets portrayed out to the public. It's still stupid, though. Yes, one one hundred percent. Just absolutely ridiculous. But then, because the raptor doesn't even look like the one he he confronted in the first movie. No, looks like the raptor he's about to see in this one. Exactly. So now we get um now we get to the island and they're flying over it. And uh, the music as they approach the island is just exactly the same as it was in. Mm-hmm. As they approach the island in the first one, it's almost the same. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost the same camera angles and everything. I mean, they're just. I mean, could you say they're 
Could you say they're an homage or are they ripping him off? I mean, either one is just, or they're being lazy probably. That might little, be another way of putting it. A little bit of both. Because again, I, I do think there's something to be said for this movie trying to recapture some of the nostalgia value of the original, especially after the second one. Um, uh, in well, fact, funny funny note on that. Uh, I was reading where William H. Macy was doing some press about this movie. And in December 2000, they actually, during a production break, he was quoted. So again, this is, you know how tight-lipped actors can be about what's happening on set sometimes. He said, there have been all the problems that one thinks of. The script has been evolving and being rewritten as we go. And what you want to say is, who launched a $100 million ship without a rudder? And who's getting fired for this? Right. <laughs> but no that's one, because it, it made $400 million. <laughs> yeah, it wound up making $400 million. yeah. Um, that's the way they make these movies, big deal. I think someone should be shot, but I'm not in charge. So we're flying over the island and we're seeing these dinosaurs, and the, the first thing that pops into my mind is how are we eight years past the original Jurassic Park and the CGI has gotten worse? Yes, most I definitely. I mean, $93 million, the first one didn't even cost that much, and they mm-hmm. had better graphics than that. Yes, far better. Well, maybe it's about the placement of the graphics, like where they showed up prominently in the film. Sure. Um, because I think in Jurassic Park, they were used very judiciously in the original. There's only like 40 shots or something. It's a ridiculously low number of, of CG shots in that movie. And it's they blend the use of the animatronics and the CG very well. In yes. That, so you can never really tell when one ends and one begins. They've hidden the, they've hidden the cuts or anything like that. So Yes. They only used it when they had to. And now here you use it basically all the time. Well, not to mention the dinosaur kind of looks like 96 Godzilla, if we're going to be honest. Sure. And, but even, even when we get these up close shots of the dinosaurs and the animatronics, because I guess we see there, they, the plane ends up getting stuck in a tree at some point. Yes. And there's a dinosaur trying to get them as they're sliding out of the. It kind of paws on him. Yeah. Yeah. And sticks his head in there. And it's just, it's, it's awful puppetry. It's terrible animatronics. First of all, and Mm -hmm. you don't ever. You never saw that in the in the original one. Well, and, and, I and if, I, if I noticed correctly, they did some shots in miniature during that sequence, right? Like some of the shots were probably miniature scenes. Uh, perhaps, yeah. Well, because there were, there were a couple times where the, the way the camera was moving on it, I was like, that's a miniature. That's on a set. That's not real. Yeah. Well, the whole thing's on a set. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's, a, it's, it's on a smaller, kind of like in Star Wars where they had the really, really small set sometimes for these mm-hmm. films. Um, but, you know. So... We're here on the island. We get our first look at the dinosaurs. They look like crap. The beginning, their their introduction isn't nearly as cool as when you first saw them in, in 93 when they first came out because Spielberg knows how to do a reveal. <laughs> and nothing, nothing beats that first dinosaur on screen in that movie with the, with the brontosaurus. Yes. That's just phenomenal even today. But um, so they, they land and. Alan's like, no, you can't land, but they land anyway. And and Taylione and her infinite stupidity gets out of the plane and <laughs> starts, starts hollering on a bullhorn. Like, are you serious? What well, what would make I, you think that's a good idea? There's dinosaurs here. <laughs> someone who doesn't really understand there are dinosaurs on this island that will right. eat you. But um, yeah. So then we we get our we get our first look at the dinosaurs, and he come they come out, and I guess it's a T Rex, right? That. No, it's it's that Spinosaurus or something. It's the it's the Spinosaurus one. Then they happen into a T Rex. That's right. And apparently, as an homage to uh, what's his name, uh, Ray Harryhausen, this apparently the fight between the new dinosaur and the T Rex was supposed to be some kind of homage to him, like the original uh, King Kong. Is that what you're correct? Because in yeah. the original King Kong, he fights off a T Rex, doesn't he? Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, but and it's all that kind of a claymation kind of look. Um, and that was apparently the point of it. But again, they set the, they set the pace on that pretty early when they're saying, Oh my gosh, it must be a T-Rex. And Alan says, no, this one's bigger. Yeah. Well, and um, I noticed, too, another more homages there just to Spielberg himself, too, because they're running through the jungle here. Yes. And they got that E.T. point of view shot as it's running through the running through the bushes there. So, yeah. of course, you throw that in there. But I think it was at this point that I started to ask myself, like, and a real question here. So if anybody is <laughs> if anybody is a dinosaur expert, I really want to know is um, why are they were they so aggressive? Were they this aggressive? That they chase and eat anything that moves? I mean, it's like they see a person. It's like, oh, I got to eat that. No, if I or, understand, the vast majority of dinosaurs were herbivores. Or wouldn't they, would they be scared like other animals? I mean, because you run into, like, if you ran into, you know, um, a fox in your backyard, it would get spooked real quick. Mm-hmm. Or even a bear would kind of be standoffish, too, to a point. Well, even animals like, say, snakes, for example, which many of them have the power to kill a human being, they're, like you said, they're not going for the venom first. Often right. they're going to try to escape or hide or do something else first. Uh, but or all these movies with dinosaurs is kind of like the dinosaur sees a human and he's instantly bloodthirsty. Off we go. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's just a question I had. You know, I mean, no, they're basically, we say they're reptiles, right? So would they like scamper away like a lizard? I mean, I, you know, I don't know. That is an interesting question because there are some dinosaurs. It's kind of funny. There are some dinosaurs at, at certain parts of the movie where they don't really make it clear that the dinosaur is not to be feared. Maybe it's the music when they approach the dinosaur, but there's a couple <laughs> that they make it clear that there's a, Oh look. And they, it's more like that kind of a zoo thing. Like, Oh look, there's the hippopotamus instead of, Oh my God, watch out. It's going to eat me. But like you said, there were a small couple that it was not really evenly set between those. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, so they, they're running and they get separated and one by one, the, the henchmen that were hired and were given approximately five seconds of character development other than they like to blow stuff up. That's really all the character development they got. And then they slowly start getting eaten. And the one guy has a phone on him when he gets eaten. Let's remember that for don't, later. Don't forget the phone. Yes. Don't forget the phone. He had it. They show you putting it in his pocket. So mm-hmm. we know that it's there for yes. later on. So <laughs> yeah, they all get separated I guess William H. Macy walks over and sees his wife changing and he quickly turns around. And I think that satisfies <laughs> one requirement of every summer blockbuster, which is woman in bra. Check. Yes. Yes. So we've nixed that one. So let's move on. Correct. I, it's just a thing. I don't know. Okay. At one by one now, we start, as they get separated, we start seeing the raptors come in. And they've made these raptors super duper smart. Yes. In this movie. Well, they and were, they they were smart can, in the first movie. They um, weren't this smart, though. Right. They weren't this exacting. You could argue that's, an, you know, that's how they evolve, right? I mean, life sure, maybe they evolved in that. But, yeah, well, life finds a way. But in eight years? <laughs> you hey, know? In, in eight years, you're lucky they're not driving Buicks and running, and running mainstream media companies. Well, according to Alan Grant, they might be. That's if there was right. no asteroid. <laughs> so There's some uh, dinosaur White House deeper on the island. They just didn't get that close. Yeah. So we see they're really smart, and that's one thing. And to me, that just zaps the realism from them. There's a point where, yeah, you can say the animal's smart, but to make them this smart, like that's like putting a, that's like these movies, the kids' movies with the dogs or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like they'll have a German Shepherd. A German Shepherd's a really smart dog. Yeah. But a German Shepherd cannot find their owner going cross country to try to get to them. Right. (laughs) Going, and, and, 
you know, checking into hotels or taking taxi cabs or buying a plane ticket. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that they do on these dogs looking for their humans movies. Right. You know, right. That's almost what we're at here. It is. But at the end of the day, if the if the Raptors are the exact same Raptors from the first movie, does it, is the movie more watchable? Like what, what do you think? What do you think from this movie was something that these Raptors did that they would not have done in the first movie? Maybe when they laid the guy out as the trap almost, they kind of laid him out as bait. Yeah. I mean, that that's one thing they were, they literally set a trap and you never saw them do that. And you wouldn't really, I don't, I don't want to say you wouldn't cause I don't know animals, but I don't know if, if wolves would do that or if other aggressive animals in the wild that run in packs would do that or whatever. But that almost seemed like too convenient of a thing to do just mm-hmm. to sort of set that up to make them hey, these guys are really smart. Yeah. Don't mess with them, you know? Yeah. And that's sort of where we're at on this when they do that, so... Yeah, well, but I will say this. This is one note that I noticed. Again, going back to departures from the original. In the original movie, a Jeep going pretty darn full speed only just barely outran a T-Rex, right? Yeah. Only just barely. The thing almost got to got to Sam, to almost got to, um, almost got to Malcolm. Yeah. This movie... The humans are outrunning the dinosaurs left and right. On foot. On foot. <laughs> like in, in dead open field, they'll be like, ah, there's a dinosaur, run! And they'll beat the dinosaur to whatever it is. No, I don't mm-hmm. think any dinosaur actually catches a human in this movie on a dead sprint. Even though no. it's set up in the first movie, these dinosaurs are pretty fast. So soon after this, we see that uh, we find the kid that they're looking for, which obviously is William H. Macy and Taylion's son yep. in this movie. And uh, Alan's the first one to find him. He kind of rescues Alan from a bunch of raptors or something. Mm-hmm. And we find out the kid's kind of been living in the woods for two weeks without any issue at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just trying to evade the raptors or whatever. Yeah, as a survivalist goes, the kid's doing pretty well for living yeah. on a diet of nothing but chocolate bars. Yeah, I wouldn't have survived. I'd be dead. And <laughs> he makes this casual comment that he was able to get some T-Rex pee and... Alan says, how'd you get that? And he, <laughs> and he says, says, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. Translation. We have no way to really yeah. uh, explain this. Because yes, I do. I want to know how that kid came across <laughs> T-Rex P. That would be a fascinating story. <laughs> far more interesting than anything that's happened so far. Oh, don't worry. We have another major plot point coming involving uh, involving waste. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> And we'll see it soon because soon after this, they meet back up with everybody and... Then we hear the phone ringing, mm-hmm. right? And they think that somebody's close to them. Their buddy's near because he had the phone on him, right? Yep. Well, they turn around and there's the Spinosaurus just standing there. Yeah. Like, hi. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> they've established that these things will rumble the earth when they walk, mm-hmm. right? With the, the ripple effects in the water and everything. And this one is supposed to be bigger than the one that did that. Yeah, and he's just standing there in the woods like no, no, one, heard, no one heard him come up. Hey, here I am. What's up? He's got, those, he's to, got those special shoes. Yeah, and then they have to they get past the um, the electric fence and all that. And well, again, they so outrun they, it to they the electric outrun fence. Him, yeah. <laughs> again, at that point, literally, when that when that scene cuts and you, they kind of do that establishing shot of all the characters trying to run to the gap in the fence, my thought was, well, he's going to get one of them. Mm-hmm. Which one is it going to be? And he doesn't get any of them. Any of them. It's like, what no. a punk. Uh, it's just stupid. It, it, it's at this point that I realize there's nobody worth rooting for in this movie. Well, because at, at that all. point you realize nothing's going to happen to any of them. 
Right. Like, I mean, if, if the monster, the monster, if the dinosaur catching them in a wide open plane and then lunging at them in the fence almost as an act of surprise doesn't even put a scratch on any one of them, all five of them are going to leave the island. It would have been more interesting if they hadn't killed off all the mercenaries right off the bat. Pretty quickly, yeah. You know, because then we could have had this thing where is somebody going to die? Who's going to get in? Who's going to get out? But they're all dead in like five seconds after they're introduced on the island. So. Yeah, maybe maybe pace it out a little better so that you maybe can establish one of the things with one of the guys. Uh, yep. Because again, in that scene, it would have been a, because pretty much after that, after that last henchman dies, the last one that 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 dies is um, is dies in air quotes is Billy and Billy doesn't even die. Right. Yeah. He <laughs> comes. We, we see him later on. So. Yeah. So I guess that takes us to the raptor eggs piece, right? They find the raptor eggs. Yeah, they find um, they find raptor eggs, and Billy takes one for whatever reason. I'm not. He's supposed to be like a dinosaur expert, and yeah, it doesn't take a dinosaur expert to know that if you find an egg in a nest, you don't touch them. Yeah, because you're gonna get mama. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens. Where, they come where after them. Where was he expecting to? Because if I understand it right, his angle was, you know, imagine what we could sell these for and and fund our research. And then my question was, who's gonna buy raptor eggs from you? No one. <laughs> they can be like, uh, burn it. Yeah, <laughs> cook it. Raptor Let's eggs, eat it. Burn it with fire. I'm not touching that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Roasted no, in I, butter, I mean... <laughs> yeah, and, and then Alan Grant, uh, you know, in a way that I'm not really... He shows off a kind of indifferent anger that you don't see from him in the rest of the movies when he says, you're no better than the dudes that built this place, basically, and really yeah. just, just twists it right in the kid's heart. Well, and then he tells them not to get rid of it. They hang on to it because he knows he's going to have to hand it over to them to get them to leave him alone, which, again, is another reason why these things are just too smart. Yeah. Which we'll get to in a minute when they when they happen. Well, again, the Raptors I, again, but... I thought that whole plot point was a little weak. I thought they were playing too much chess at that point. Yeah. They're like, no, if you just put the eggs somewhere, they'll come for the eggs and they'll forget about you. They're animals. At this point, we end up in the pterodactyl bird cage. <laughs> it's a which bird cage. is terrible. Yes. Because it's so dark and it's so poorly edited that I can't even tell what's going on. But again, nobody ends up dying, even though I think this is where Billy kind of disappears, right? This is where Billy kind of goes off, yeah. And, and yeah. Like, it doesn't even, it, it doesn't matter, because they all end up surviving anyway. And mm -hmm. you just, it's so dark in there, you can't tell what's going on. Well, which brings me to a question that I, I thought wasn't even really well addressed at the end of the first movie. And that was, if dinosaurs can fly, if there's any dinosaurs that can fly, that's kind of it for us, right? Right. They're going to go to other islands then. Again, during the pandemic, we were dealing with uh, murder hornets that had migrated over from Asia, for Christ's yeah. sake. And yeah. dinosaurs that can fly, yeah, I would imagine that if dinosaurs could fly, you would have been dealing with them in San Diego far before the T-Rex got there, right? Right. Well, probably. I don't know. That, that, was a, that was a plot inconsistency again. Not that I'm a huge science nerd in these movies, but... You know, uh, one thing I had read was that the original, apparently the ending of this movie was supposed to see the closing scene for Jurassic. This was supposed to be how Jurassic Park ended. They were supposed to see these dinosaur birds flying in the distance. I can only imagine it was because that argument comes up. Well, that means the dinosaurs are still there and they're going to take over the earth. But um, in the last minute, apparently they changed it to the to the pelicans uh, in the end of the first. Well, and in the book, Jurassic Park, I think they blew up the island. I'm probably only the smartest way to finish the problem, yeah. right? Which is why when, when they had Michael Crichton write a second book, he had to come up with the second island, so which is why we're here now. So Right. 
All right, so now we find, now we come to that other waste scene. They're floating down the river and they hear the phone ringing again and they think it's going to be the dinosaur, but then you just see a big pile steaming of dino dung. <laughs> um, apparently oatmeal, from what I heard. Apparently it was oatmeal. Gross. Yeah, there I still goes don't my know. breakfast tomorrow. Yeah, I still don't know that that would be all that much fun to rifle through looking for stuff, even if you know it's not poop. Well, they hear it ringing and they go try <laughs> to find it and they finally find it. And who's on the other line calling them? Uh, that was who was calling? I'm trying, it who was, was timeshares. Oh, that's right. It was it was a timeshare thing. That's right. <laughs> yeah. they, they were getting a robocall. Yep. <laughs> and, and then again, kind of some unintended humor. Uh, a major dinosaur comes up on them. And then just takes one sniff and says, nope, and keeps moving. Yep. <laughs> and then now that we have the phone, Alan wants to call and get some help. So he calls Ellie. Yep. And their connection's really bad. And he's kind of in panic because they're getting caught by the dinosaur in the river. And she comes to the conclusion that he's on the island really quick. Because did you get... I'm on Isla Sorner. I need some help. Please send the army and the navy to get me. Well, remember from that very that, brief conversation. Well, remember that initially, they remember that initially the phone call got disconnected and uh, dated reference alert. Ellie she got them back by Star sixty nine yeah. on the phone to get the number back. <laughs> and yeah, so my guess is maybe she was like, "Well, he needs help. He's somewhere else." You know, maybe she called somebody to triangulate the number. Hey, this is my friend. Maybe he's missing. I don't know. I, Again, by that point in the island, you're like, yeah, sure, it's the whole army and navy. They're going to go fight the dinosaurs. Cool. Yeah. So we're getting to that. But before we get there, we do have to come into contact with our uh, raptor friends again. One more time. Yep. And they corner them and they want the eggs. Mm -hmm. They give them the egg, then they might leave them alone. And then William H. Macy tells him to use the use the little resonating chamber that he has. Yep. And Alan's just like, okay, and he toots it, and now all of a sudden he's speaking fluent raptor. <laughs> yeah. And they're and as soon as he as soon as he blows that thing, the raptors are like, huh? What? And they're like looking around at each other like, oh, did he just say that? Okay. Huh. And who knows what he said, but they hey, you said what about my mom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They basically give the egg over to the raptor. The raptor picks it up and runs away, and then there's one more raptor that's just kind of eyeballing him, and then he just kinda like Ah, screw it. Runs away. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not like that little, again, total MacGuffin moment, right? Like there were several, there were what, two times where Raptors had these guys surrounded and both, they all made it out alive. One of them was because of the smoke grenades, right? Mm -hmm. And the other time was this because Alan figured out a way to speak Raptor with a 3D printed, um, with a 3D printed, like you said, resonating chamber. Yeah. <laughs> But now we're we're running away again from the Spinosaurus, I think. And yep. then they run onto the beach and there's a guy in a suit standing there. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, Dr. Grant? And this whole, like, platoon of army and navy and whatever just pull up on the shore. I mean, even though her husband, Ellie's husband, is, like, really well connected in D.C., yeah. they mobilized that really fast yeah like when have yeah. you ever seen the government move that quick for anything i mean and they right and they sent like what two different branches of the military because again the kid kind of offhandedly says she called the army and the navy or something like that yeah um and it was very when i saw them i'm like oh jesus are they gonna fight the dinosaurs now nope the nope. dinosaur just kind of i guess the dinosaur pokes his head out of the out of the uh um out of the out of the trees and he goes 
oh shit, the U.S. military, <laughs> and runs away. Well, you have said these raptors are smart, so maybe they could tell a losing battle when they saw it. <laughs> yeah, they were right. like, hey, uh, I know he made those really weird noises and said those really mean things to us, but there's a whole lot of guys with guns out there. Okay, we got the eggs. We're good. Dude, that's that's the U.S. Navy. You don't right? mess with I don't want to die. Man. <laughs> I want to see my eggs hatch, yo. I want to see my eggs hatch. Although, to be fair, they were two eggs out of what? Seven or eight big old flocks worth of eggs. Uh, that speaking in general animal parlance, uh, several of them would have probably been killed off by their parents anyway. Come on, man, that's one egg that could have been that could have been the president of the Raptor States. <laughs> I mean, and you just wanna you just wanna like okay, just take them. Well, like you said, this movie was darker. This movie was meant to be darker anyway, right? Um, it wasn't meant to be stupider though. Which ultimately, unfortunately, is what happened. Yeah, because um, then the movie basically ends with them saying, "Let's go home," and then it's right. over. Right. And it's over. And then you see the and you see the the birds flying away incredibly high in the sky. And my first thought is, well, Jurassic Park Four is going to take place in Kansas. Doesn't she like dare them to nest in Oklahoma, where they live, or something? Yeah, like that? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, this isn't the first movie I've seen with Tay Leone where I'm just like, God, this woman is annoying. Will she just shut up? And I think one of the other movies I saw her in where I was thinking that. She ended up getting swallowed up by a tidal wave caused by a comet crashing onto Earth. So, <laughs> uh, my other time seeing Taya was in uh, Fun with Dick and Jane, actually. Oh, that's uh, right. She was in that one. She was in that movie with Jim Carrey. And she was actually entertaining in that movie, although possibly kind of a droning aspect to her voice where you hear it enough and it's just like, hmm. I remember her in Spanglish with Adam Sandler and thinking that she was absolutely god awful annoying in that. <laughs> Well, again, actors do what they do and, and, and make that money. And again, she probably made more money than I'm going to make in my entire lifetime to do this film. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, so but so taking it back to an interesting plot question here. Do the parents have to be divorced? And if they're divorced, do they really have to reconcile over the experience of almost being eaten by dinosaurs? I mean, I think that's kind of the thing where it's like, hey, we don't like each other, but we're going to team up because we have our kid to save. Yes, and, and, and oh, that, hey. that's 100% realistic, right? I mean, right. any parent could identify with that. Exactly. You know, it's all about your kid, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, but then it hardly comes to, up. You know, then for them to come back and for those little moments of, oh, look, they're falling in love again. It was, you know, I thought that was a little It much. didn't make sense because I didn't care about them at all, so it didn't really matter, I think, in the end. And I don't think I'm alone by saying that I don't give any care in the world about whether or not they lived or died on that island. Well, and ultimately, did you really care whether or not Billy made it off the island? Not really. No. The only one, one I had any... wanted to see leave the island was Alan. Was Alan, because he's the only one I know. Yeah, and the only he one didn't you need have any stakes with. He didn't need any development to be set up in this because we'd already established who he was earlier, and right. they did it in a much better way. Correct. I guess we didn't even get to the... We didn't even mention the fact that they were divorced, the uh, the the parents, and furthermore, we didn't really talk about the fact that they weren't even millionaires. The guy owned like a tile company. Yeah, paint and tile. I love that. Yeah. That was a funny scene for me. He's walking off in the jungle, and again, it's been revealed he's not a millionaire. Not only are you guys on Ilasorna, but you're following around a poser who has no money, and he just goes, "No, guys, I, I can make. I'll make this right for you. If you ever have a project that you're doing with your bathroom." If you need a bathroom, oh, how nice. We're what? almost going to die, and he's going to give us a new bathroom. <laughs> Do you know how much a tile backsplash costs, sir? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I was in that situation, if he was, if he told me that uh, 
he'd pay me like five million dollars to go out there with him and then i found out he didn't have it and that we're all gonna die and he's like i'll give you a bathroom will that make it right i'd be like yeah i i would have stuck to his raptor eggs in his pocket and sent him out into the jungle well (laughs) i'd have been like i'll take a bathroom sure I could use that. Right. Uh, they kind of gloss over that because, I mean, you could see that becoming a story device, right? Where like one of at least one of them is like, I want him to not leave this island. <laughs> he just lied to all of us um, because he's, he did the same thing with the mercenaries, right? Like told the mercenaries, right. uh, let that be a lesson to you, kids. If someone says they're rich, wait for the check to clear before you go on the plane. <laughs> so right, go, going back to an old theme here, Trevor, uh, what was your favorite scene in Jurassic Park three? And you cannot say the end credits. You've already used that one. <laughs> and you can't um, say the opening credits. No. Yeah. No, I, I think you, you mentioned it. The, the, the reveal where they're, um, uh, where they're found to be frauds. And mm-hmm. he does end that scene with the, uh, with the bathroom. I legit laughed at that. That was I don't know if that was intended to be super humorous or not, but I got a kick out of that. So, you know, I almost it. wonder if it was meant to be humanizing, you know, because for most of this part, you're like, they're these, un- they're these detached millionaires. They're just kind of who they are. So maybe it makes them a little more human to do that. And it's a little more, I don't know, just something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite scene in the film was actually total throwback, but Again, they're on the boat. They're trying to survive. They're getting dunked into the water. They're getting ready to drown. Alan has got the little bit, the little boy on the phone, and the little boy runs away from the phone. And before he takes the phone to Ellie, he's got to stop in the living room because Barney is on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the my favorite dinosaur in this entire movie was during that little during that little stretch right there. And um, then she just casually walks in. And he's like, the dinosaur guy's on the phone. Dinosaur man's on the phone. Now you know, as parents, either one of us would have been like, oh, whatever you say, click. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, for a minute, I was like, that would be really funny, but I have no clue how he would get her back. And then he starts, and then she has the, the wherewithal to star 69. Mm-hmm. Um, so Trevor, 20 years later in the review, how'd you feel about Jurassic Park three? About as same as I did 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of went into this thinking maybe I was a little harsh on it 20 years ago, but no, it's, uh, it's not a good movie. It's a really, it is a low point in the franchise. Mm-hmm. It honestly hasn't recovered from that because what came after this a decade and a half later is still not very good. Mm-hmm. And again, I haven't seen the follow up to that yet, but there is a bit of redemption maybe in the works because we got the third one coming out next year. And apparently the movie is opening with a shot Spielberg wanted to do in 1993, but he huh. didn't have the graphics to do it. Wow. And they didn't even have the graphics to do it in 2001 either. Well, I'm about to say he had the graphics in 2001, but they had they had better graphics. But like you said, uh, really bad looking green screens and animatronics, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So whatever whatever they got coming next, um, I can't remember what the name of it is, but it comes out next year. Mm-hmm. But uh, then we also got the return of Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum in this upcoming movie too. Oh, so, okay. In addition to Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, they're gonna bring the two worlds together. Interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But for right now, if we're just talking about this one, then yeah, this is the this is the franchise at its lowest point. Well, they brought back all the new Ghostbusters in the new Ghostbusters movie way back, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> um well, but that wasn't really the real that that's sequel. fair. That wasn't the real the sequel. real sequel's sequel coming this coming, year. Yes, which I am to be perfectly honest, I don't care if it's good or bad. I'm excited to see it. Um but uh, so 20 years for me, 20 years on for me, I will say that the movie, unfortunately, I think at the end of the day, Jurassic Park was a fantastic movie. 
and an excellent movie and told the story in a great way, in a way that there was really no business trying to tell another story like it. And as evidenced by the fact that in trying to tell stories after that, it failed. Um, I did not like the storytelling in this one because honestly, it may have been too short. Um, maybe that extra, what, 30 minutes of the movie, you get to know some characters, you put some more things happening on the island, maybe you beef the story up a little bit more instead of a movie that in a way almost feels like it was some spare parts from the original movie that they thought they could line up into a good movie. Yeah, but did you really need 30 more minutes of character development between William H. Macy and Taylor character? Because I didn't. <laughs> I needed I guess, less of them. I guess you're right. Maybe maybe something around Billy or, or something like that. But I, at the end of the day, I think that... On one hand, you say that Jurassic, the original Jurassic Park is a standard that none of these sequels will live up to uh, at, at any point. Um, again, you can... It would have been better if we had Laura Dern and used her husband's connections to, you know, their family wanted to see dinosaurs close up and they crashed. And now Alan has to go rescue Ellie Sadler from the island. You know, that that makes a lot more sense. Um, that is a lot more compelling because I would love to see how Ellie would convince Alan to get on the island. Mm-hmm. Or even how Ellie herself would be convinced to get on the island, right? Because No, I'm saying she's on the island. Right. Well, but yeah. how would Ellie be convinced to get on the island? Because well, again, she way. went through the same crap he did. Well, same way. She, we're just flying over. Oh, so we're going we're gonna to create a second story and the second story is going to be him going to get her. That would be my Jurassic Park three. That would, would not be, be you know, that would, would not be, a be lot Tay Leone and William H Macy would not be in it at all. Their characters would not be in it. Uh, it would be Ellie and her government connected husband, and like maybe his family, mm-hmm. and they're flying over the island. Yeah, and they crash, and she calls Alan and says, "I'm in some serious stuff here, so you got to get me out, man, because you know these things." <laughs> And he's just like, oh, I don't want to. And maybe he's got PS- PTSD and he's like, no, I don't want to do this. But it's Ellie and I still love her even though she married that, that yes. stupid idiot. Very, I'm very go. briefly touched on that romance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that would have been a, I agree. That would have been an interesting and compelling story to watch. Um So uh, anyway, folks, I think that'll just about do it for Jurassic Park 3. Since the dinosaurs are noticeably slower, we're going to go ahead and outrun them and get our way to the end of the shot. But it has been a pleasure talking about Jurassic Park 3 with you. Please don't forget to tell us how we're doing on social media. You can hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can also hit us up on TikTok. Let us know uh, any future things you want us to cover. Maybe some movies that are going to be 20 years uh, anniversary that you'd like us to talk about or some questions about ones we're going to be doing next. What's our next movie? Well, next week, we're also going to take a trip back to uh, the Forbidden Jungle and see some other forbidden creatures. Oh, boy. We're going to take a look at Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Dun, dun, dun. I think your bum, 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 bum is more in line with that. (laughs) The the Price is Right one, right? (laughs) Can't wait to check it out, folks. Thank you all very much for continuing on this journey with us. Have a great week.